Detours Ahead, a podcast about creative living. So tonight we have another fantastic guest for you. She happens to be my former college roommate and a longtime, very close friend of mine. But she's also amazing in and of her own right. Her name is Cheryl Johnson. She is a graphic artist. She does animation, illustration. I don't actually know if there's anything artistic that Cheryl cannot do. I've seen her do all kinds of things and she's amazing at everything and she's also an amazing human being. So I think you're really going to enjoy this one. I sat and listened to the interview enthralled. Yes. yes. And it was not creepy. No. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think you'll have a lot to learn from Cheryl. She's a funny lady. She has a lot of great insights into actually being successful, making a living off of doing what you love. So, without further ado, Cheryl Johnson. So, welcome back to Detours Ahead. I forgot the name of our podcast momentarily. Today, we have a really exciting, awesome guest who um, I'm excited for all of you to get to meet. But first, uh, Cheryl Johnson fantastic artist extraordinaire has asked about the Bayou Wolf name that we are using for our press so I figured I might as well tell the story on the microphone and uh, get double bang for my buck because I ain't telling the story more than once so Mike and I were driving home from New Orleans airport uh, when we lived in Baton Rouge and there is a long stretch of bridge that goes across like Pontchartrain that's just like bridge and swamp and water for miles and miles and it was very late at night and we were driving along and I believe it was raining is that yeah and we look over to the side of the road and there is a red wolf standing in the swamp like watching the cars go by and it was absolutely like life-changing breathtaking moment it was so incredible to see this happening in the wild And we later found out, I mean, they are extremely rare in the swamps to find any wolf and to find particularly a red wolf. And since Mike is a ginger, we've always sort of taken that on as our token animal. So Bayou Wolf, that's the name of our press. Is it also a play on Beowulf? That would have been funny, but no. Okay. I mean, that's that's where my mind went. That is our... That is what we planned, of course, Cheryl. Because <laughs> it's literary and it's also like the South where you're at. Like I, I was just Bye, like, Wolf. Oh my gosh, that's way better. Let's just delete this whole section <laughs> of the podcast. I don't know the name of our podcast. I don't know who I am. I don't get that there's a literary pun in our title. Okay, Cheryl. All right, let's just get into it. So, as you may be able to tell from some of the back and forth, I'm fairly familiar with this guest. This is Cheryl Eliza Johnson. I should have let her introduce herself, but uh, she was my roommate in college, and she is a fantastic artist. All the time that I've known her, she's been working on some project or another, and usually 10 projects at a time. She's done things for films. She's done her own original artwork of outer Mongolia I mean she's done the real range of things and I'm going to shut up now and let her talk about herself so hi Cheryl explain to everyone who you are what you do why you're special because you are 
I, I like the part where you talk about me and I just sit and listen. Um, but I guess I'll take responsibility for myself. Um, <laughs> my, as previously stated, <laughs> my name is Cheryl Johnson. Um, I am an artist and I don't know what else. I mean, I have to just call myself an artist because the actual list of what I do is very lengthy and varied. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the art things that I do are photography, illustration, design, animation, painting, underwater basket weaving. <laughs> Total lie. You are the only person who I might believe that would actually be true of. Like, I'm like, some people I know that was a joke, but with Cheryl, she might actually do underwater <laughs> basket weaving. So I, I want you to keep going, but I do want to ask you, and I genuinely don't know, this is not a leading question. Is it common for artists to sort of run like the whole gamut of doing all of those different things? Or is that um, more of a Cheryl thing to just be um, good at everything? I think most people will tell you to not do what I have done <laughs> with my life. Mm. Um, my professors mm. in college, you know, they kind of they said, "Be a generalist, that's fine, but also be good enough at one thing that people will hire you to do it." Mm-hmm. Um, and in school, they kind of encouraged us to buckle down and pick one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved all of the things, and I refused to buckle down. <laughs> Good. Uh, <laughs> so one might and, almost say that you took some detours along your way, that you went off the road a little bit. Say that exact <laughs> same thing. We didn't plan that, guys. Uh, Sorry, continue. I'm going to stop interrupting you. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I feel like I, I've had a little bit of, like, artistic schizophrenia or um you know an identity crisis where people really want when you're at a party and you're doing small talk um people want to hear a clearly defined answer i i find strangely like when i introduce myself that it like makes people uncomfortable sometimes Mm -hmm. when i say that i do a lot of different things Mm mm-hmm people who have no reason to worry about me um (laughs) i find like it it, kind of like shakes people up when you're i guess like not not doing the normal you know pick a job and stick with it thing yeah yeah and you're hard to label or stick into a, a category of human yeah yeah i i feel like i see it all makes sense to me when mm-hmm. I do. I feel like I'm using the same skills and using them in, in ways that are creative and fulfilling to me. Yeah. Uh, but they do tend to take on a lot of different physical forms. Yeah. I um, That sounds somewhat similar to, I think a lot of authors sort of face some uh, pushback with similar things where it's like, no, you choose one genre that you write. And even though we all read more than one genre, so Mm -hmm. ostensibly we can all write more than one thing. It's very confusing and disorienting if you suddenly say, well, I already wrote a mystery. So now I want to write historical fiction um, because it's just quite hard to market, I guess. So 
Yeah, and then people read your historical fiction and they go, the mystery in this really sucked. <laughs> and they're right, it did. <laughs> yeah, but it, it throws other people when you when you try and branch out, I guess. Yeah. But that's what this is all about, is branching out. So when did you um, sort of first discover that you had talent in this area and was that nurtured by your family by people around you how did how did it develop over time um definitely from an early age Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think I mean I meet people all the time who are like oh I used to love art and then whatever happened and Mm -hmm. I moved on Mm -hmm. uh but I I actually have like a a pretty specific memory Uh, I think I I was like five or six years old and I remember I was drawing my dad while Mm -hmm. he was napping on the living room floor (laughs) and (laughs) I sat down and I was I went to like draw his pajama pants and was gonna do just a straight line for a leg Mm mm-hmm and I remember looking and thinking, well, no, actually, there's all these little curves and folds in, like, the fabric. And I, w- I thought, that looks complicated to draw. But then I sat there and, like, looked. I remember, like, looking and drawing and looking and drawing. And when I looked down at my paper, I was like, oh, I, I did it. Mm. I looked at the real thing and I like took the time to understand it and it looks like what it's supposed to yeah I mean I'm sure it actually looked pretty scribbly but like for a five or six year old like it it was sort of this moment where um like I learned that I could learn art like Mm. I I I observed I realized that I could get better at this thing. Yeah. That there was like a way to do it well and that it was accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I took just like normal art classes in school, but I, I think as like a 12 year old, there was an artist woman in the neighborhood who mm-hmm. offered private or like small group art lessons. And then, um, yeah, in sixth grade, I moved on to middle school, and you had one elective class, and I had been taking band, but I had to choose between band and art, and I, I picked a path. <laughs> <laughs> I abandoned the clarinet, which may have been my true calling in life. I mean, yeah, <laughs> talk about regret. Um, <laughs> who knows where you may have been now? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then I also, I feel like, so I took art all through middle school and high school, and I feel like in my high school, the arts were definitely supported and valued. Um, We had a big festival of the arts at the end of every school year, and it was as big of a deal or bigger than, you know, the big football game. Oh, wow. Our our football team was not that great. (laughs) Our soccer team was a big deal. Yeah. But it it was like um, people really showed up for theater and media arts and then also 
festival of the arts where like all the, all the musical groups performed but we also converted the two gyms like large gyms into galleries and mm-hmm. everyone had like a little booth and it was you know the public was going to see it and like some people sold their artwork and um there was a teacher who I only had him for one year my sophomore year but he had been teaching um painting and studio art at the high school for 30 years and he was had this you know legacy dynasty and um I really think that made a difference like being in a community Hmm. at a young age that really valued art and I I got that from my family as well like my parents very much supported me Mm -hmm. in pursuing art um sometimes (laughs) a lot of my peers like once I got to college they talk about the struggles they went through to get any sort of validation from their family or that they were like semi estranged from oh wow because they decided to pursue art um and I actually sometimes I felt like maybe I was lacking uh (laughs) some like the drive that comes from like overcoming other people's expectations you didn't have the starving artist cred like behind no, you I was like my mom thinks I'm great <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like a noob like an idiot or I don't know <laughs> it should just be a great thing but yeah I was almost like jealous of the other like tortured artists who'd been through things just to get where they were yeah I mean I think that's yeah that's fairly common across disciplines there seems to be this idea that art has to be suffering for it to be art um but you have forged a different path and you have accomplished a lot of things even without i think suffering too terribly along the way i hope that's true in spite of my parental support i have (laughs) despite my happiness and uh (laughs) sense of personal worth i have succeeded can you tell us about some of the you've done so much that we could take up the whole time just talking about the different projects you've worked on I'm sure but do you have sort of some highlights that you want to give us of significant things that you've worked on I I mean I have a few in mind that I know you were just telling me about a documentary you worked on and I know you had your mega like Mongolian trip but I'm sure there are other things along the way as well and the listeners don't know about those things so yeah um I mean, in terms of, like, standout projects, probably the few that you mentioned, but I um, I have worked in design, I have, I do photography, mm-hmm. illustration, um, I feel like, uh, <laughs> this might be, like, putting too fancy of a point on it, but I feel like, as a visual artist, you find yourself um meeting up with people at like the gateway to their dream projects Mm. there's a lot of people who have ideas have businesses films um some sort of big project that they're hoping to pull off and there comes a point where they need a visual element to it and that's when they reach out to me like Mm. i 
when I'm meeting clients, when I'm, um, you know, working with people, yeah, I feel like I'm having that conversation often where people are saying, I really want to do this thing and I need a logo for my business or I need, um, you know, I need these graphics for my film or I need, I have a book idea for a children's book and I need, I need it illustrated. Mm. Um, so that's, I mean, I, I studied animation in school and part of me has, um, I feel like my heart has been a little bit more, um, in the like fine art camp. Okay. But I also, I mean, I ended up studying animation and I, I, every once in a while have these like high, you know, regrets looking back, like, was that the right thing to study? Um, should I have, you know, just sort of really gone for it, gone for pure art and just Mm -hmm. doing studio art. Um, but I feel like what I learned in the animation major was first of all, just like sound artistic principles that apply to all visual disciplines. Um, but also the aspect of like working with a team or creating art that serves story or serves a purpose. Um, being able to bring a, a vision to life, whether it's yours or someone else's or like a communal vision. Mm. Uh, and in that way, I feel like even though I haven't, haven't worked as much in animation since graduating Mm -hmm. I feel like that very much prepared me to um sort of team up with people in a lot of different areas and disciplines and and kind of you know do that sit down and like what what do we need to do like Mm -hmm. what do we need to make this happen for you what do you need what do you want it to look like um and that's really rewarding to me like yeah. being able to enable someone else's project to find the exact right visual solution. That's that's great. It sounds like a lot of those projects that you're describing are perhaps things maybe hopefully at least some of them you're getting financially compensated for. Yes. I would I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um so would you say that that is sort of the main path that your artistic abilities have taken or do you sort of carve out a space for things that are just your own artistic expression or do you find that artistic expression through these collaborations um to varying degrees um I've also had to along the way I've had to take more generic nine to five jobs Mm -hmm. I've yeah I've done a lot of work doing kind of like explanatory YouTube videos um, <laughs> that are sometimes like a little, little bit soul sucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they, I mean, they do require some creativity, um, but it's, I mean, I feel like there's like a purely creative, purely inspirational application of art. And then there's the, Front of the mill, bread and butter. I need a paycheck. Sure. Kind of art. Um, yeah. So 
a lot of the times when I've taken jobs like that, I tell myself, I'll do that during the day and then I'll do my personal stuff at night. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that sounds really familiar. And also, yes, it is a lie. Why, why is that? Why is that such a lie, Cheryl? It's, it's a lie because um, you are, as a human being, you have a finite amount of energy and care to give to things. And um, I, at least, I can't, like, compartmentalize it that much. Hmm. Like, I, if you've put in an eight-hour eight hour work day, you will come home having lost something you know like having drained some of your resources mm-hmm. um so i've i've done i found that it's a lie to try and do both at the same time yeah but i have found ways to you know save up enough money doing things that aren't my favorite and then whether it's like this weekend or you know, for a month or whatever, you you cut it off and you say, okay, I'm going to have some me time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's part of what led me to do the Mongolia project that yes. you referenced. Um, <laughs> part of that was I, I was living, um, I was living in Salt Lake, and I had, like, great, fun roommates, and I had an okay job. Mm-hmm. And the okay job was taking up a lot of my creativity, but, like, the social scene was great. Um, I was, I was having... friend. Just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I was having fun in a lot of other aspects of my life. And then some job things switched up, and I moved cities, and I, I moved to a new situation. Mm-hmm. And it was, like my life in other areas got sucky enough that um, having an okay job was no longer acceptable. Yeah. And that's what I had kind of been like slowly building up this idea for a while, but it was um, moving and getting into like an overall, um, what's the word? (laughs) Like an o- overall, like not as good mm-hmm. <laughs> like situation. Yeah. That makes, like you know what I don't want to put up with this, and I do want to do this thing that's been, um, you know, growing in my mind. Yeah. Can you describe for people who don't know what the project actually consisted of? Yeah. So I I did a a crowdfunding campaign to fund a trip. To Mongolia um, I had been a volunteer English teacher in Mongolia for a year and a half uh, in the middle of like my college years back in 2006 and had grown to love Mongolia love the people I'd been back to visit a couple times um, but I wanted to I had this love of art and love of Mongolia, and I wanted to combine the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me just wanted to do something involved and complicated. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, I had had enough of, like, squeezing in a, an hour of sketching 
on the weekend or, you know, trying to do these tiny one-off um, pieces of art. I was like, I want, I want to dig in. I want to do something complicated. I want to do something big. Um, half of it was I just wanted to do a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Like I had a lot of artist friends who'd sort of pursued, pursued their dreams and used crowdfunding as a way to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And it was fun just (laughs) figuring, just like figuring out how to do the crowdfunder. Like there's, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, so I was successfully funded and I went back and lived in Mongolia for three months. Um, and I traveled around, I did some, like I went to some new places, did some new things, but also visited, um, some favorite spots and friends that I had made previously. And I took a sketchbook with me. Hmm. Uh, and I, part of this also stemmed from, you know, Mongolia is not a place that people know a lot of about, Mm -hmm. um, or have a lot of, they just have no frame of reference for what is Mongolia like. Right. And, and talking to people, I found most people know nothing. And if people know one thing about Mongolia, they've seen pictures of like nomads out on the open steppe with goats and mm. yurts. Mm-hmm. And um, that is uh, like a, an important part of Mongolian life, but it's also. Um, woefully inadequate in representing like having lived there I was like that was not my experience and that's not the experience of two million of the three million people that live in Mongolia Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah I didn't see the Mongolia that I knew represented in in media and it, like it, it was like Mongolians are very proud of their traditional way of life but it's also like it was like foreigners telling Mongolia that's what is interesting about your culture mm. it's the stuff that is like exotic and looks the most different mm-hmm. um, and I kind of you know most of my meaningful and favorite experiences from living there were just living in the city and uh, from getting to know regular people. Um, so that was kind of my goal was to represent that and, you know, say like, yes, there is this cool, interesting aspect to life there that they have nomads and, um, you know, live out in these devastatingly beautiful landscapes. Um, but yeah, so it was just, it was a very like personal journey to represent my Mongolia yeah. as I experienced it. So <clears throat> I, I went, lived there for three months, um, sketched as I went and then I came back and took, uh, about five or six months to compile them together into a book. Mm-hmm. And um, get that printed and, and sent off to people. So, yeah. and you know, this is hard for me to do because we have a very sarcastic and joking relationship most of the time. 
And yeah. I know you're probably going to say something self-deprecating to, to set this off after I've said it, but I do need to say that it was really beautiful work. And, you know, the only thing I really knew about Mongolia before you went was the term like Mongolian beef. And I remember like when we would Skype when you were in Mongolia that I was genuinely surprised that they had the internet there. So not only having this beautiful book of art, I know I'm so ignorant, but not, not only having this beautiful book of art that you would put together that I got to see a side to your artistic abilities that I'd never seen before in the projects that you'd shown me, which were already impressive, but this was just like, it felt so personal but to also get to get this intimate glimpse of something that I wouldn't have seen otherwise was really amazing. And I felt because you had done the crowdfunding that it was almost like I had gotten to be a part of it, even though weirdly my plane ticket must have gotten lost in the mail or something because I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it was, successful on many different fronts for that reason and hopefully uh, you'll be willing to maybe share a few images or whatever you feel comfortable doing uh, on the blog so people can see what amazing work that you put together I appreciate that (laughs) Um, no like that's that's really great to hear that response and like the, the way that I've really felt that it was I know it was successful in the sense that, like, it was fulfilling for me Mm. to do the project. But then after that, you kind of want to know about the response. Mm -hmm. Um, Artists are weird beasts because we're (laughs) mostly introverts who want to, like, hide away in corners and create Mm -hmm. beautiful things and don't want people to talk to us. Um, But but if no one talks to us, then it's, like, so painful. Yeah, like, about the that? art. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Like, but also come in and look at it and tell me it's good. <laughs> tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> but yeah, like it's great to hear that from you. And the other thing that was really satisfying was, um, and when I when I set out to make the book, it was a little bit more of I want to show other people what Mongolia is like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually able to go back um, after I finished the book. I went back to Mongolia and was kind of investigating, like, um, you know, looking into, like, if I'd be able to sell the book there. It ended up being very complicated, and I was intimidated and backed up on, on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I went and brought the finished book back with me and was able to share it with a lot of Mongolians and... Um, I got to see their reactions where they would get really excited and go like, Oh my gosh, that's the, that's bus stop number 32. Or that's, (laughs) um, I know that building downtown or like, Oh, look how you, you know, captured this aspect of life. And I, um, I don't know everything about art in Mongolia, but there's the tourism industry is big there and there's a lot of, I feel like this like outward facing art Mm. that's like, um, and I, I buy into it literally. Like I have probably a dozen different paintings of camels and like every time I go there, I 
I acquire some new Mongolian themed art, but mm-hmm. it is, it's very much like representing themselves to foreigners. Like mm-hmm. what do foreigners want to see? And, um, yeah, like I, I had this conversation with this older couple that I'm really good friends with. Um, and I had this conversation on repeat with a lot of different Mongolians where I'd say, I'm making this book, I'm doing drawings of Mongolia. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 the countryside. And I was like, no, actually, like, city life, too. And they're like, city life? What? What is there? What's so special about that? Like, who would want to see that? Um, and I was able to show them, like, well, this is, like, this is what your everyday life looks like um sort of beautified you know or Mm -hmm. or represented in art and um yeah like I felt like a lot of them were really like kind of touched to see that or to realize like hey it's not just this like interesting cultural aspect um that has potential but also everyday life yeah so you've you've talked a bit you've touched a bit on sort of audience reception to art and how artists crave that and you've also talked about some of the difficulties of the work-life balance um or I guess in this case like the work art balance and figuring Mm -hmm. out how to devote enough time to both of those things and have enough artistic energy for both of those things, especially when you are pursuing your art financially. So Mm -hmm. why, why not just do sort of like a normal job and do art as a hobby? (laughs) And that's a, that's not like meant to be a pointed question. I think that's something that all artists in whatever field ask themselves at some point, right? Like, why don't, why do I need, feel the need to uh, share this with people, essentially? Um, I do, I feel like, I feel like any talent is sort of a gift, you know, and there's like a responsibility that comes with it, but um, for some reason it seems like a little bit more apparent with artistic talent. I mean, when you say the word talent, mm-hmm. We'll think of, you know, playing the flute or dancing or painting. Or all three at the same time. <laughs> all at the same time. Um, but I, I feel like somewhat like from society and then somewhat for myself, like I felt like um, I do have a talent and that therefore I have like a responsibility to pursue it. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, um, I think it's hard to make a living off of it. Um, and if I had been, you know, less able to make money, <laughs> less able to live off of the talent, it might've, um, been turned to doing something else. Yeah. But it, yeah, like part of it is also like, aside from the monetary thing, it's just like, I don't know, like I'm feeling called to pursue it and, and realizing that, um, I guess through like my own brief stints of doing so or seeing other people that like, you can't 
really develop a talent um, when you're just doing it as a hobby. Yeah. Well said. You don't want to hide that light under a bushel, girl. You got to <laughs> do something with it. I'm going to shine in all y'all's faces. <laughs> Um, so I guess that, that sort of segues into another question I, I always have about people who pursue their artistic talents um, sort of financially. I think some people assume that that would be just the dream life, right? Like you are one of the lucky people who gets to do what you love and you make money doing it. But of course, we all know that um, the grass is always greener on the other side. So you can, I mean, if there are nice things about it, you should definitely let us know. But what are some of the struggles as well of, of living that sort of lifestyle? Um, well, so for the most part, uh, when I'm working freelance, I work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means, you know, setting your own schedule and working in your PJs and things mm-hmm. like that. And people are like... You know, I tell people that and they say, oh, that must be so nice (laughs) to like, to be so flexible. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I'm way flexible. Sometimes (laughs) I have insurance, sometimes I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I can fix my car, sometimes I have to hold off. Um, Wow, girl, so flexible. (laughs) Yeah, it's very flexible. Um, It's hard to project like, I, I, people ask me, like, um, you know, like, friends are like, hey, we're going to do this trip a couple months down the line. You want in? And, like, it, like, almost sets me off into a panic attack where it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know with, like, the ebb and flow of work, like, mm. if I will be, um, you know, comfortable at that point or if I'll be scrambling to get more work um, I don't know if I'll be busy or if I'll be looking for things to fill my time um, yeah like there's definitely slow periods mm-hmm. uh, but it's, yeah like I tell people when you're self-employed it's hard to tell when you're unemployed mm. um like, I'll finish up a big project, and if I haven't already been, like, building up the next thing, then there's usually, like, a little bit of downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then, like, people ask me, like, what do you do? What are you doing for work? And it's like, it's been a week. So, yeah, like, I, I do design. I do illustration. <laughs> but then it's been, like, you know, two months, and it's like, oh, I think I'm unemployed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do I work? I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 And like with uh art being my job and my hobby, like I'm constantly taking photos um just like around the house or mm-hmm. like, you know, on little weekend trips and I I upload things to stock photo websites. And so it's like, well, technically, maybe I'm never unemployed because, you know, last week I got $6 from <laughs> my my stock photos. Can um, you try not to flash your money around to the audience? That's a bit disrespectful. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, but, like, there really is, I think, 
people don't realize the benefit of being of like working within an institution yeah like yes we can you know badmouth the man and working for him and all of those things mm-hmm. but um <clears throat> i don't have coworkers like i don't have i don't i don't know when i've gotten to work because getting to work is like rolling over in bed and like grabbing my laptop <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah and it's it's yeah it's flexible and all those nice things but it's also like maybe you don't realize what it does for you mentally to like walk through your office doors mm-hmm. and like how that gets you in the right mindset or yeah. um take a shower <laughs> yeah yeah like you're not tempted like you don't have to worry about doing your laundry yeah your, your break at work because it's not there um yeah or, you know like I have clients that are relying me on me but I, I don't see them like I'm usually just emailing them um so there's I mean I've talked to other artists about this and I think it was actually a writer that I kind of follow was talking about, um, she called it like building your own, building your own work machine. Mm -hmm. And like, like it's sort of building up these routines that take the place of, um, you know, having coworkers and having an office. Mm -hmm. She, She worked from home. And so she had to say like, like I have a, a a different light that I turn on on my desk. Hmm. That's like work mode. That is sort of like a physical indicator that I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to do laundry. Like, um, yeah, I think it's just it's like really hard to be self disciplined and self motivated, and you miss a lot of those like external motivating factors when you just work on your own yeah you are taking me back to when I was a freelance ghostwriter and uh that that was very difficult I think some people thought that would have been a dream job and sometimes it was really nice like when I took it to London because I could Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes it was uh yeah I was my own boss for better or worse and I am not a very good boss as it turns out I am very lenient on my employees <laughs> and I let them get away with a lot. So, uh, um, yeah, it's not for everybody. I'm, I'm now going to describe a meme. <laughs> Great. Is this is the content people are, are listening for. <laughs> and hopefully we can just share the meme later. But I, I latched onto this thing when I saw it because it's one of those like, oh, it's so true things. Um, but it was... It was two different, well, there were two illustrations and, like, a little caption above it. Um, And on the left side, it said, um, like, regular job. And the right side, it said self-employed. But the drawings were exactly the same. And it was a stick figure with, like, their head in their hands (laughs) saying, oh, my gosh, I hate my boss. Yeah. Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, like, when you are your own boss, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) 
why can't, you know, like all those things that you deal with with a regular boss, you're like, why can't they get their act together? Like, yeah, <laughs> they said they were going to mail out the checks. Um, but where are the checks, Connie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never had a boss named Connie, but it feels right. Um, yeah, and so when it's you and only you, then you hate yourself and you hate, <laughs> um, you deal with all of your own weaknesses and uh insecurities and um body odor yeah <laughs> I, I getcha like way more than any other regular boss like you have to deal with your own body odor <laughs> with hope <laughs> you're dealing with your actual boss's body odor you need to get another job well dealing with as in like inhaling it you know <laughs> Ooh, sure usually sure. just a respectable two to three feet <laughs> hopefully but we're getting into something else entirely so i'm gonna try to reel it back one of the things i found uh very frustrating as sort of a freelance worker was how little people valued your work when it wasn't going through an institution not so much my actual clients but i had so many people ask me to do things for them for free um and i thought why would I write your screenplay for free when I am doing this as a job and if I'm going to do anything for free, it's going to be my own screenplay. Yeah. And because I have a screenwriting master's degree, I know that you think you're going to just go right to Hollywood and sell this thing. And then I'm going to get that 25% you promised me. But the likelihood of that actually happening is very, very, very small because I have a master's in screenwriting and I haven't sold a script yet. So I'm not, you're not going to sell your script before I sell mine, you know? Yeah. Uh, that got a little bit away from me. Some old feelings <laughs> came up. But I, I wondered um, if you have had similar experiences or um, and or what is the most frustrating thing that you wish people really understood about what you do that they just don't really understand um yes 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 (laughs) (laughs) um it's amazing to me how people like within the same breath can say I'm coming to you because you have a special and valuable skill that I don't have (laughs) I'll need it. <laughs> but I don't value it enough to pay you for it. Or, you know, it's like you you literally just admitted that this was out of your reach. Yeah. That this is like a valuable good or service. And <laughs> in our economy, we tend to exchange money for those things. <laughs> But why don't you want to do it for free? <laughs> That's my South African attempt at a South African accent. <laughs> I have known nothing about what that should sound like, but I feel like that was accurate. Yeah, it was. Sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, and I mean, um, it's hard to stand up for yourself. Mm. Um, especially when you're starting out and you aren't sure if what you have to offer is valuable. Um, the, I feel like, and, and when you are starting out, a lot of people get you with the, 
like, oh, this will build up your portfolio or like this will be great exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, you know, in some ways when you're starting out, I feel and so, when you're starting out, you end up doing those things. I don't think it is necessary. Mm. I think forced to, um, but I like kind of a turning point for me was, um, I do have, like, I, I feel like it's important to seek out, um, a community of artists, like whether it's because that's most of us working, um, as silos, you know, on our own, Mm. um, you don't have the like support of a group of coworkers. Um, but I like my program from school, we have like a Facebook group where people are almost daily, you know, it's like current students and alumni and almost daily people are posting and asking questions like, Hey, someone asked for a bit on this type of project. Like, what do you all think? Mm-hmm. Or does anyone have tips? You know, what, what's the best software program for this or, um, and someone pointed out that like when you stand up for your artwork and when you stand up for like, you know, being compensated for your artwork, you are making it easier for the next artist to, to like have that same thing. And it was like, I, I, (laughs) struggle like standing up for myself but somehow like putting it in the context of um like you're doing this for the community as a whole I was like you're dang right I am (laughs) (laughs) that's so true man I'm having so many regrets now from my past life as a freelance writer but you're very wise Cheryl I've always known this and also very beautiful um other things that you wish people understood or or does that cover it um what i mean just in general like i think um again like constantly i hear people saying like wow you're that's so great like i could never do that that's a very special talent that's Mm. rare and beautiful um but people just don't have a concept of what you should pay for something that mm. is rare and difficult and beautiful. Yeah. And I, like, I feel like it, almost every single job that I get with a client, like step number one is education, mm. you know? And sometimes all you get is step one, AKA when they ask for a bid and you tell them like animation is expensive and it's expensive because it's hard and time consuming. Yeah. And people don't get that. Yeah. Uh, but it just takes me 30 seconds to watch it. So I, I know. what's so hard about that, Cheryl? <laughs> just, well, that blows my mind. But, um, but I also like, I, people aren't, I know a lot of people aren't doing that maliciously. Like they're not trying to take advantage of people. A lot of it just comes from, inexperience or ignorance and so I try to I try to put it in context where I say like the type of project that you're talking about um 
would take a normal professional artist, you know, two months to complete. Um, how much money do you expect to receive after two months of full-time work? Yeah. Um, you know, does that now seem fair to you? Like when, like, yeah, a lot of people don't realize the supply costs that go into things Mm -hmm. or the amount of time it takes. Um, and yeah, so like there is just like this education aspect of, of my work where it's, I'm just trying to make the world a better place. (laughs) (laughs) Not all superheroes wear capes, Cheryl. It's beautiful. (laughs) Well, I know that you told me when we began our off mic conversation that you have a project you're actually working on that you need to work on tonight. So I won't keep you too much longer, but Is there anything else that you want to say about living an artistic life that you haven't gotten to say yet? Um, oh, so many things. (laughs) Well, we'll keep rolling. Say them all. (laughs) Keep rolling. Uh, well, just like, I mean, one other thing kind of in the similar vein that we've been talking about, um, in that same group of, you know, like former classmates, um, it was towards the end of the year, and one of my former classmates posted on our little group and said, Hey guys, another year is like coming to a close, another year of you working professionally in your chosen skill. Don't forget to give yourself a raise Mm -hmm. um like you've been doing it you've been drawing stuff you've been putting stuff out for a year and every other company people get raises (laughs) for (laughs) hopefully in this economy we don't know but yeah sorry continue we're becoming like that much more um skilled Mm -hmm. that more of a better employee and contributor um And, yeah, there's just, there's all these, like, you know, what rate to charge and um, how how to write emails to clients and, like, all these things that I guess they could go over in school, but really I feel like, um... It's something you need to learn on your own and from, like, talking to other people. But I just, like, I really appreciated, um having someone else step in and say like hey it's okay to give yourself a raise yeah or a vacation Um, or whatever the case may be yeah to treat yourself like it's an actual job Mm -hmm. because lots of other people will not yeah um yeah and then that I guess that's like another um soapbox point of mine is like even if you work by yourself find a community that you can connect with um you know because like I can't I can't go up to just anyone and commiserate about (laughs) stylist hand cramp yeah particular type of cramping of the hand that that occurs (laughs) after you know hour six of drawing on a tablet yeah Um, 
And yeah, like it's really helpful to be connected to people um, and to like pull from a pool of knowledge and experience and not just your own. Well, that is fantastic advice and something I think I need to do a little bit better at. So thank you so much for sharing that. Where can the people find Cheryl? Because there are lots of people listening to this, (laughs) believe you me. Where can they find Cheryl Johnson and either view or purchase or whatever the case may be, the fantastic art that you're putting out there into the world? Well, for all my mom out there, I want you to know. (laughs) Hey, my mom might be listening too. You never know. Less than two moms. (laughs) Um, My portfolio website um, is cherylsart.squarespace.com. Great. Um, Or as some of my fans like to call it, (laughs) cherylsart.squarespace.com. That's where I try to keep an updated uh, collection of things that I've been working on. my Mongolia book is available for purchase via Lulu Publishing. Oh, awesome. At some complicated URL. Um, <laughs> we can we can post links to all of these things as well. Yeah. Go to the link that that Elizabeth provides or I I do have a Facebook page if you search Sketch the Sky. That's the name of the book. Um you should be able to find it there. Well, that's um, awesome. Anything else? Any other places we should follow slash admire you? Um, I have some some pictures of camels on Adobe stock. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally, we're getting to, to what the people have been asking for. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Nothing you fear. <laughs> um, yeah, those are, those are all the places. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of this. And I know it's going to get weird again for a second because I'm being sincere. But you are very talented and you really know what you're doing. And this is great advice that you've given and lots of fun, entertaining, interesting things to think about. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will... Have another great episode next week and talk to you all soon. Detours Ahead is brought to you by Bayou Wolf Press, bringing you books with freckles and glasses. If you're a fellow traveler pursuing a creative life, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at bayouwolfpress at gmail.com for questions, comments, or if you'd like to be considered for a future interview, give us a brief blurb about yourself and what you do. That's bayouwolfpress at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, or go to our website at bayouwolfpress.com to learn more about us and receive updates on our podcast, videos, blog posts, and upcoming book releases.